0: Once again, this is another episode of Free Association. I am Donovan Bennett. On behalf of myself and the entire crew, we want to remind you that we're doing this while socially distancing, while sports is on pause for the moment, but we are hoping that it is a bit of a distraction, a welcome distraction for you during these tough times. We also want to take this opportunity to thank all the people who are working really hard so that we can do frivolous things like talk about basketball on a podcast. Got to thank all our healthcare workers, our first responders, everyone working in essential services. They are immensely helping us from a day-to-day standpoint, and we're really grateful for that. But even though you know we're doing our best as a country and as a globe to social distance and a lot of people are doing a lot of good work, there's at times bad outcomes, and we saw that. This week, where the basketball community and the Sportsnet community were both hit pretty hard, by now you know that Jacqueline Cruz Towns, the mother of NBA All-Star Carl Anthony Towns, died of complications due to COVID-19. She was put in a medically induced coma when she was diagnosed with the virus about a month ago, and Kat? went on to Instagram with an emotional plea for everyone to take the virus seriously because both his parents at the time actually were positive for COVID-19. Now, his father got better. He completed his quarantine and was able to go home. But sadly, his mother didn't have the same fate and she, she passed away not too long ago. And, you know, it's hitting everyone personally. And it's hit myself personally, everyone who works on this podcast personally, and everyone at Sportsnet personally when... A good friend of ours, Carolyn Cameron, recently lost her grandmother, Shirley, to COVID-19. She put out a beautiful post about it, honoring her life and honoring how important this ordeal is on both Twitter and Instagram and I remember talking to Caroline in the past is you know I've had the pleasure to work with her a little bit before she blew up and was one of the faces of hockey for a network about you know she's very forward and funny and kind of just unpacking where that came from and she said she came from a long line of women who were funny and forward and bold and I was like okay well I mean you're clearly cut from cloth and the way she described her grandmother Shirley certainly you know the apple didn't fall far from the tree so our hearts go out to carolyn uh, and everyone including people listening to this who have been impacted by this catastrophe that is the coronavirus covid19 but there is some good happening the nba in sports it's funny because it's it's real awkward sports is often this thing that brings us together and helps us through tough times. And in now a tough time, sports kind of has to go away because bringing us together literally is dangerous. But sports can still be an agent of change. And I want to commend the NBA for stepping up. The NBA and the WMA are selling face coverings. And we know there's been a shortage of PPE, personal protective equipment for people in healthcare, and thus the public needs to find other ways to protect themselves. And so the NBA is selling face coverings with all of the money being donated to charities that help in the fight against COVID-19. So that's a way that the league, even though they're not entertaining us, can still make a difference in our lives. In terms of when they may entertain us again, There are some reports that there is some optimism around the season being resumed this summer. So that's a story we should continue to follow and watch. If you want to unpack the hurdles on what might, be some of the issues logistically and morally for the NBA and sports in general to come back. We had a fascinating conversation with Brian Windhorse on the Sports on Pause podcast. So if you like this, please, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you subscribe and listen to that, but also like, favorite, and share it as well. Terms of sports coming back, Adam Silver, leader of the NBA, was on a commission with Donald Trump, the president of the United States, about starting the economy again. And that included not just silver, but Commissioner Roger Goodell, Gary Bettman, Rob Manfred from football, hockey, and baseball, respectively, as well as NBA owner Mark Cuban and other owners in football, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones, and talking about getting the economy back going, but also getting sports back going. But there should be a little bit of caution or pause because of a failed experiment, well, failed thus far in the CBA, the Chinese Basketball Association. They were working to get their league back up and running, which has been shut down since January, and they were hoping for that to happen this week, but because of the threat of asymptomatic carriers and because of the amount of players that are not Chinese-born that would have to travel into China And then thus be quarantined, the local government has shut that down for the time being. So many people thought that we could in North America follow the timeline in terms of when China was shut down and then when the CBA came back. And maybe we could apply that to when the NBA might come back in Canada and the United States. A lot to be determined there is we won't be seeing CBA basketball until at least July. And so for reference sake, first cases in North America were in the middle of February. So we are about a month and a half behind everything that's going on in China, not to mention the fact that we don't have the draconian measures and the amount of tests that they do in terms of their infrastructure. But I do think that if a sport will come back, aside from you know things like tennis and golf, where Social distancing happens normally to some degree of the major team sports. I think there's probably a better chance that the NBA with 500 players is able to come back before a league like baseball with 1200 players and who has to play an entire season, not just ending the regular season and maybe figuring out how the playoffs would work. No matter when sports comes back, though, NBA players are going to be losing money, whether it's them being furloughed and giving money back this year. They've gotten their April paychecks. Still some debate on whether or not they're going to be giving some money back in May, or they'll certainly be impacted because of next year's CBA. As revenues go down, it's a 50-50 split between the players and owners on basketball-related income. Well, if the league is not making as much income in 2019, 20 that is going to impact salaries in 2020 21 so actually the night that this broke Carmelo anthony on instagram live said this is going to force nba players to be a lot more strategic with their money and it's going to force them to get ready for post career when they're no longer on scholarship they're no longer having millions and millions come in the door They're no longer earning money at the same rate, but yet still have the lifestyle where maybe they might be spending it at the same rate. So financial literacy is key, especially when many NBA players are going from having nothing to having a lot and having to learn how to manage it. And so I thought it would be wise money wise to look back at a conversation that is relatively timeless with two former Raptors and two former great NBA players. And that would be Charlie Villanueva and Jerome Williams, who were in Toronto over a year ago at the CIBC Miracle for a Cure Miracle Day. And I met up with them at CIBC headquarters on Bay Street in Toronto and talked to them about the financial literacy that they had as players, what they have learned since and how they would advise not just high-level NBA players, but anyone how to handle their money. And I think the conversation is applicable because it's not just NBA players who are going to see a dip in the salary cap who have new realities in terms of the relationship with money. That's the case for all of us. We're seeing record unemployment. Our economy has dipped into a state that we haven't seen since the Great Depression. So financial matters Are on the minds of everyone and sadly in our culture finance does really matter and so hopefully you'll learn a little bit from jyd and charlie v about how you can make your money work for you that conversation up next on free association we got some new things for you this NBA season. And no, it's not just Terrence Davis playing so well. We have a newsletter that'll break that down and so much more. Our weekly newsletter from NBA editor Stephen Leung. It gives you original content, opinion, analysis. You can't find it anywhere else and it is delivered directly to you right in your inbox, sportsnet.ca slash newsletters. Just subscribe and we got you. So I have the pleasure to be joined by two men that Raptors fans of old, Raptors fans of the present know, hold closely to their hearts. Guys who've put in work in this city and still tied to the game of basketball. Obviously, you know Jyd, hurr, junk, hurr, 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 hurr. the Junkyard Dog. What's happening? And Charlie V is Whatever. back. Charlie's away, but guys, thank you for bracing the cold. Coming back to the 6th to spend some time. First and foremost, before we talk about your careers, you guys are here
1: for CIBC Miracle Day.
0: Why is that something important for you to to get involved
1: in? Well, for me, it's always been a pleasure to be involved in the community. I always felt like that's my purpose in life, and giving back to the community is very important to me. And uh, I spent only, unfortunately, just one year in Toronto after I got traded But it was a great year, and I'm always involved in the Toronto community because that's the first city that gave me the opportunity. So uh, I'm always trying to give back.
2: You know, for me, being here in Toronto has always been about the kids and the fans because the fans were my biggest supporters. You know, having the dog pound here didn't just stop when I left Toronto. It's been here and growing ever since the first day Back in 2000. So here we are, 2018, 18 years later. I'm still supporting uh, children's charities all across Canada. And CIBC Miracle Day is one of my favorites. It's my sixth year. And every year, you know, we strive to really raise funds for children's charities all across Canada. I think it's a phenomenal day because the commissions from this day, from all the workers and employees from CIBC, go all across Canada. You know to different charities and some of them are present here today and different foundations that support kids and one thing that i said earlier today to some of the staff is financial literacy for kids is is a huge thing i have my own financial literacy program and you realize the importance because kids have to understand and be educated about how to take care of their money at a young age because they'll grow into you know, having better credit, making proper decisions. So that's what I love about CIBC Miracle Day. That's why I'm here. Um, and I'm glad myself and Charlie V are both here to support it. It's a great event, a great day.
0: You mentioned financial literacy and I find that so interesting. That's the thing that you connected with, especially as former players, right? Who, When you're playing, you think you're going to be making this money forever. And now when you guys who are still involved with the game, still connected with guys in the league, One of the things I talked to someone involved in a team with is in your day, like you guys actually had some cash on you. So when you spent money, you actually felt it. Now these players, you're just tapping, right? You're spending money and you're never really feeling it. So as far as the players today, financial literacy is even more important. Is that something you talk to the guys in the league now about, about making sure you save for that rainy day that's eventually coming? Absolutely.
1: Being in the NBA for 11 years, you know, my early years, Nobody really taught me what to do with my money. I kind of learned on my own. And I had a good support system in my family and kind of showed me the ropes. And I think it's very important to save and to make good business decisions because the ball will stop bouncing. No matter how good you are, it's going to stop at some point. And I've been fortunate and blessed that I've two years removed from the NBA and I'm doing well for myself, you know, ventured off in the real estate world and have multiple uh, investment properties all throughout Texas, Houston, have a restaurant. So uh, things are going right. And there's a statistic that always stuck with me when we had those, you know, NBA meetings. One of the meetings that, that we had, they said most athletes go broke after five years and after they are done playing. And that's one statistic that I'm not going to be.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, to add to that, I've been involved in different financial literacy programs, to your point, for league players since 1997. And the main thing that we try to tell players is presenting that statistic, just what, you know, Charlie said earlier. And that is, after three to five years, 80% of NBA athletes are financially stricken. I've been retired since '05, so I'm in year 13 and I was joking with Charlie on the way in because you know young guy and look at his swag, you know comes <laughs> yes. in with the nice hoodie vest, yep. with the tie, you know really sporting the you know the sports casual, yep. you know entrepreneurial look, got the nice watch, but very you know, nice watch, you know what I'm saying? I so see. it's like it's it's it's
0: Rick and, Rick I, and I told
2: him Rick. I said now if I would have came in looking too stiff. Junkyard wouldn't have been holding his own. You know, I've been retired, been removed for a minute. So I was like, I'm glad I woke up with my little vest ensemble as well. Because it's key. But you know, but but the, the, the point I'm making is that, you know, you want young guys and young players to understand financial literacy so they can continue because it's it's a you know, it's an easy, easy road up, but it's a hard fall down. And it's not about how much money you make, it's how much you keep. And it's good to hear. Young, newly retired guys talking about their, you know, financial uh, investments, their real estate and different things, because these are the kind of things that guys need to hear from 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 other players so that they can then start to think about how to keep their money, how to invest and how to do the right thing.
0: What's the pressure like as a player when anyone can Google what you make? And so everywhere you go for your entire life, you're expected to pick up the check for everybody. And that waiter is expecting you to leave a heavy tip or it might be on social media. And even amongst your peers, if you're in that cards game, how much you can put down, right? When you show up to, to the Reno, what are you driving, right? That, that macho kind of competitiveness that got you in the league could also mess with your head and your money. What's that pressure like that the average person like me does not feel?
1: The pressure is real. It's real pressure, especially from your family. You know, uh, you, all of a sudden I'm- you find some family that you didn't I, know about? <laughs> <laughs> Saying let me hold something? Some, some cousins, some uncles that come out of nowhere. But as you know, I got drafted when I was 20 years old. Now I become the main problem solver for everybody. Yeah. Now everybody's coming for me for advice. I'm just a kid. But one thing over the course of my career that I learned is to say no. And that's one of the hardest things, you know, to tell a family member, no, I can't do this or no, I can't do that for you. And that came with maturity and that also came with, you know, falling a few times, you know, and, but, uh, uh saying no, is, this is one of the most important things that helped me be where I'm at today.
0: But there's a dynamic too, where if you say no, people are like, oh, okay, you've changed. Okay, you're different now. Now you're saying no, right? Like we were collective before, but now you've made it somewhere and you're saying no. I imagine there's pressure from all sides.
2: Oh, definitely. And, you know, some of the pressure is equal to when you have to obviously tell your mom, your dad, you know, your sister, your brother. Those are the people that is hardest. Friends and the hanger-ons and the secondary, as I call them, family members, they come after that group. Mm. So it's your first support system. And Charlie said it first, you know, had a good family support system. I too had a good family support system. So the one thing I would do is I would let people know up front. Listen, I give my mom, dad and brothers all the money. So if you want some, <laughs> Go ask home. them. <laughs> they got the, they got the loot, you know? So they had to learn to say no. It was funny because my parents, they had a hard time saying no. They You know, gave out a lot of their money. So then I had to school them. Right. I said, Mom, Dad, this is all the money I'm giving you. So look here. You give it all away. Guess what? That's it. (laughs) Right. You know, so so my parents, they actually moved from our hometown. Wow. They moved. They moved to Vegas. And what happened? I moved right behind them. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, it's like Charlie said, it's hard to say no, but you do have to say it. And the easier way, you know, for us, it was, you know, we had to get out of our area because the face-to-face, it's harder to, you know, say no to a person that you've known for years and this and that, you know, they're standing in front of you. Over the phone, hey, call ID is a big thing these (laughs) days. Can't reach you. Right. You know, that could be an extra day that you can hang on to a few more dollars. (laughs) So, and the, and the longer I can hang on to them, the more interest they can collect yeah. <laughs> and, and make the money move for me. So, that, you know that's key. And 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 also one thing I would tell a lot of young players: the best way of saying no is not to say no; is to send the person back with getting you more information, mm-hmm. such as business dealings and different things. We get approached all day with different proposals. That was one of the big ones. I, everybody, with well, my friends, my cousins, they want me to invest in their business proposal. And I say, you know what? I will invest 90% of your investment. So if you need a million dollars, I'm gonna give you 900,000. I need you to get one bank to put up the 10%. Hmm. They'd go back saying, oh man, this is great. I gotta just get one bank. And none of them could ever get (laughs) a bank to put forth the other 10%. And I would tell them, well, you might have to change something in your business plan. It's something in your business plan. You just need to update. Okay, J.Y., I'm going to go back and I'm going to, okay, as <laughs> soon as you get finished getting that update and you get the bank, I'm here. I got the check ready. And right. Thing. And that kept a lot of friends. And then they realized that their business proposal wasn't where it needed to be. And I didn't have to be the one to tell them. Right. I was a good guy. Yeah. I was still, man, he was going to help us out. He was going to, you know. Interesting. And when they come back and say 100%, you say, well, hold on a minute. Would that make sense if, if a bank's not going to give you 10 like, does that make sense to you? And they look at me like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're so, like, I know I'm right. So yeah. I, I don't know what athlete I'm speaking to right now on the phone. <laughs> on this line, listen to the radio right now. This is your boy Junkyard and Charlie V. <laughs> and we're still sitting here. We got nice watches, nice tie and vests on. And we're trying to get a whole bunch of people here at CIBC Bank for Miracle Day to donate to children's charities. Listen to us. <laughs> Tell them, bring us back that business proposal. Yes. And we got, you know, you don't have to say 90%. That was my number. It could be 40, 50, whatever it is. Makes you comfortable. But you know
0: if a bank invests in them, hey, it's
2: something you might want to look at. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, because CIBC is fine with no new friends. Like, they're doing the vetting for you. So that's smart.
2: I read a statistic today. Banks across Canada, up 60% profit this year. So you do the math. They're making some... Proper investments. I mean, Charlie, if we were getting sixty percent on our dollar, I
1: mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, yeah. hey, yeah. hey. Yeah, yeah. hey. All right, the engineer just had a gas. (laughs) He had to let let something loose. He's like, What? What
2: you say?
0: Yeah, JY just said it 60%.
2: (laughs) They didn't name the
0: banks, they just said the top five. So that's right. You know, Uh, like, I'm in the wrong business tweaking this audio over here. I need to give my business card to people downstairs at CIBC. Talking about, not to make this about money, but I look at you guys and talking about money, and I'm like, Man, where the league is right now. If they had a stretch, whatever you want, stretch four, stretch three, that with Charlie V, with the hands and the size to skill ratio that you had at that time, playing at the pace, the amount of possessions at that time, where you could take a three early in the shot clock as a big and no one would get upset. And then looking at JYD with the pace getting up and down, being able to switch on guard, stay in front of them, rebound. Play yeah, in the so, dunkers position and yeah, just dunk? So
2: let's, just, <laughs> let's just speak on this. So, Charlie V, just put him in the category of like, a, you know, Kevin Durant, not so much Kevin, but, you know, right there. You know, you put me in a conversation with like a Draymond Green, you know, rebound tough, won't be able to do like multiple things. Both of them are commanded 200. So, if you want to say <laughs> we're like, 150-ish. Ish, ish. You know, 150-ish. I mean, that's a lot of money, right? That's more generational wealth. Yeah. And, you know, we're working with what we what we made. And, and the funny thing is about the NBA, and I never get upset about how much money the guys make today. Because someone made the sacrifice, Charles Barkley, Dr. J, Maggie Johnson, so I could make $50 million in my life of career span. And that's more money than my whole family's ever witnessed. And it's about what you're able to hold on to at mm-hmm. the same time. So now when these guys are making 150, you know, 200, I'm like, God bless them. I'm like, God bless them. And I hope they make it and, and, and hold on to it and do the right thing with it.
0: Yeah, see, I'm, you're much nicer than me. <laughs> because I would, <laughs> I would be like, one, mom, You had me at the wrong time. Charles Barkley said that too. When I was in the league, he said, J-Y, you making fit?
2: He's like, man, my mom had me too
0: early. Right. And the other thing I I would say is uh, DNP, CD, rest, like coach's decision. Man, General soreness. No, I didn't have any general (laughs) soreness. General soreness. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I
2: am like, that's the one I'd be living at like. How is that possible? <laughs> you know, my lad when I when I uh when I played my last year in the league, 2005, I played 79 games. 79 at 30, for 31 for the Knicks. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still going hard. And they were like, You retiring? What is going on? you not, you good? I was like, you're right. But if I keep going, something's gonna break. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not gonna be good. See, you're here. They listen to us all across Radio Land, all across Canada. Charlie, I was playing with him last year in one of the charity events here in Canada. The boys still can put up twenty and ten. Myself, you know, I'm I'm 45. I can give you ten and ten on a ten day. You know, ten day. <laughs> I come in, boop boop boop, ten, 10 a month, 10, 10, ten and ten, give you a hard ten and ten. But then I'm about to sit down. Okay, I'm gonna need a day off, on a weekend where I can get my lube, lube, lube up my joints. Yeah. But that's where you want to be. You don't want to be. You know, broken down, and and a lot of my veterans and my other retired NBA players told me this. They're like, "Look, try to get away before you have done something to your body you can't repair," and that's the key, you know, because you got, we got to live. You know, this guy thirty some years old. Like I retired when I was like in my thirties, and you know, I'm forty five now, and me. Rustling, trying to rustle up these steps is not, not it. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that old guy that like, man, I remember when you could. Yeah, I, I could do. I did that last week. That same thing you were talking about, that move, that reverse. Yeah, I did that last week at the gym. It was at the YMCA. You know, some bootleg le- <laughs> you know, leftovers that I had to play against. But that was fun. They had a good time. We high-fived. Took a selfie
0: afterwards. Yeah. They posted it. It's cool. You know, that's what you want in retirement. Now that you guys are retired, but back and seeing the growth of the sport here, in relation to when you were here in the fan base and how it's continued you talked about the dog pound like a lot of the dog pups that <laughs> yeah, that were yeah. youngsters when you were here and now kind of playing in the league um what's it like for you guys to see the growth of the sport in canada from a fan base standpoint
1: the growth is phenomenal the one thing i loved about toronto was that the fan base was you know when i got drafted to toronto that's all i knew at first and the fan base was amazing uh, and we was a bad team. I think we started like, oh, in like 13 or 14, something like that. But the crowd was there and still packed and, and keep supporting. And it seemed like all throughout my career, every time I kept coming back, you know, with, whether it was with Milwaukee, Detroit, or Dallas, you know, the fan base was still there. And the love that, whenever I do come to the city, the love that the city has for me, it's amazing, man. And uh, they say it's a hockey town, but uh, I mean, it might have taken over. Basketball might have taken over.
2: Yeah, and and talking about the Dog Pound, you know, I'll give you a few Dog Pound members. Corey Joseph, Mm -hmm. you know, Dog Pound. Visiting school in Scarborough. Tristan Thompson, Dog Pound. You know, Cleveland Cavaliers, when they were here, they came up to Las Vegas. I coached them at Finley Prep. Anthony Bennett, another one. Then you also have Mike Cabongo. Dylan Brooks, mm. you know, coached him at the – but but one of the funny stories uh, – They you all got something. a little dog pound in their game all too. All of them got dog pound in their game too because I made sure I sprinkled that in. But guys like uh, Nick Stauskas, mm. right? Nick Stauskas comes up to me. I was at a game a couple years ago, and he was like, J.Y., you remember when you were in Toronto, you were in a McDonald's, and I came running in, asked for your autograph. You gave it to me. You took a picture with me, this and that. That made my day. Man, and I'm sitting here like, this is Nick Stauskas. He's out here playing, hooping now. He's like, and I just kept working on my game, just like he told me. Now he's playing in the league. So shout out to Nick Stauskas. Um, Jamal Murray is another one. You know, the one thing I like about Jamal, he's talking a lot of smack. He's really getting in people's eardrum where they don't like him. That's the first Canadian that's ever kind of gotten under some American skin. He got a little, he got an edge to him, is what I like to call him. His team Denver doing a great job right now, but he's got some edge, and you know what? That putting people on edge. It's like man, gone are the days where you're just you know sitting back and just hey hey we're happy to be here. He's starting to you know starting to starting to step up saying we're gonna take this. I don't care how you like it, put it in your
0: spoon, stir it up, you know. <laughs>
2: Mix it up with some coffee, but that's dog pound.
0: It's Canadian <laughs> dog man. Well, I love the dog pound influence, and you're right. Jamal Murray had Kyrie Irving feeling some type of way, had a him feeling oh, some sure kind did. of way. He Put sure something go- in
2: his shawl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like,
0: exactly. But cost you got twenty five thousand. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> you guys have canadian fans feeling some type of way about you the love is still here the traders downstairs uh you know they're putting people on a hold to take photos of you and want to hashtag with you. financial literacy yeah
2: <laughs> me and charlie we're on that today we're hashtagging financial literacy
0: today what's well, a poor message not just for the the current players in the league and soon to be foreign players in the league but i think anyone can apply that to your life so thank you for dropping that knowledge that wisdom with us and thank you for coming back and Anytime you guys are interested, you're also welcome to come back on the podcast. Appreciate you.
1: All right. Thank you.
2: We appreciate you, man. Shout out to all the Dog Pound members all across Canada. It's Sportsnet. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) Fascinating, informative, and fun conversation with those two gentlemen. I thank them immensely for taking the time. And years later, their advice is still valuable and still something that I actually try to put into practice as best I can. JYD's advice specifically about people trying to invest I thought was really, really smart and really, really funny, which are two things that describe him perfectly. If you want to follow him, at Junkyard Dog JW is his follow on Twitter. Charlie is at CV Believe on Twitter. And again, obviously charities are going to be hit in COVID-19 because we don't have as much disposable income as we did prior So if you do have a little bit to save and you want to give to a good cause, CIBC, Miracle Day, which may not happen in the same way, but Miracle for a Cure is a charity that they're always looking to raise funds around so you can get involved and help that way. In terms of things that you can look forward to on this podcast, we're going to do something really fun. Me and the homie Faisal Kamisa have been blessed with a screener copy of the episode's in ESPN film series, The Last Dance, about the last season of Michael Jordan and his famed Chicago Bulls team going for their sixth championship in eight years. So many great personalities, so many great stories. You can watch the doc if you're a roger's client you can use ignite and go straight to your personal netflix and watch the first two episodes of the series drop in canada for the next couple weeks every monday and what we're going to do is on mondays we're going to give you our podcast recapping the episodes as they come so upcoming monday you will get our thoughts and our uh, our shared memories of episode one and two of The Last Dance, the ESPN film about Michael Jordan and the Bulls in their last quest for a sixth and final championship. The championship for me is hearing from you. So please continue to let me know what you think about the podcast. Please continue to interact with me on IG, on Twitter, always welcomed. it's never a bother at donovan bennett that is donovan with two n's my parents had to make it difficult that's what west indian people do at donovan bennett we all love your feedback here so whether it's the producers amil delich which on twitter is at Aman delich or whether it's michael Myers, who is at mjm studios to we love the discourse so Let us know what you want to hear, who you want to hear from. This is a service for you. In the interim, before we talk to you again, please take care of yourself and take care of others. Stay safe.